Don't just ride the index, seek to outperform it with Fidelity Active ETFs. Learn more at fidelity.com slash active ETFs. Before investing in any exchange-traded fund, you should consider its investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Contact Fidelity for a prospectus, an offering circular, or if available, a summary prospectus containing this information. Read it carefully. While active ETFs offer the potential to outperform an index, these products may more significantly trail an index as compared with passive ETFs. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC, member NYSE, SIPC. They should be thanking you for a storyline. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 That was like the best part of the season. I'm not going to thank any of those exes. So. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think you need to thank them. No. Welcome to Here to Make Friends, a HuffPost podcast about the Bachelor franchise, where we lovingly snark on The Bachelor and Bachelor-adjacent shows. Whether you love The Bachelor or love to hate it, we're here to break down every single delicious moment with you. I'm Emma Gray. And I'm Claire Fallon. We are sitting here today with the always delightful Andy Dorfman, who is not only a former bachelorette, but a New York Times bestselling author. Ah. <laughs> Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. Uh, and we're here today to talk about your second book. Yay. Single State of Mind. Yeah. Second book. I know. Crazy, right? How does it feel? It feels... Um, Good. I'm a little nervous. It's like the sophomore album. I feel like it's a lot more pressure than the first one because the first one was kind of like, all right, here's a book, like kind of a project type of thing and take it, you know, as you will. The second one, I'm like, this is either going to be my career or it's not. So there's a lot of pressure on the second yeah. one. Yeah. Right. And and in this book, you're kind of also focusing less on your connection to the Bachelor franchise. Yeah, which is hard. You know, as much as you, we kind of like complain that, oh, I'm only Bachelor. Everyone only, only views me as a Bachelor or Bachelorette. Um, to kind of branch off from that is scary. It's like going a different direction. This book definitely isn't branching completely off of that because I don't think I'll— ever be completely done with the Bachelor Bachelorette franchise, which I don't want to be. There's some great things about it. Um, but this is definitely kind of breaking off into my own genre, I would say. Yeah. Finally, which is scary. Like, yeah. <laughs> I have no but editors exciting. to blame anything on, no producers. <laughs> like, I can't be like, oh, I got a bad edit. Bad edit. <laughs> no. I mean, you still have an editor. Just be like, my editor cut out all the parts where I explain right. this thing that's confusing you. And like, it's not my fault. But my editor doesn't have like a Twitter account. It doesn't try and like do their own things on the side. So yeah. <laughs> so when did you decide you wanted to write another book? Like, were you still writing your first book or did you take a break? I was. Um, I was editing my first book. So the first book was all written for the most part um, in the present. I was diarying. How do you say that? Journaling, diarying. We'll make a word up. Yeah, <laughs> I was making a diary um, of my breakup. And so all of like the meat of what I was writing was already written. And then when I was editing, I was like, well, I'm also living this different life now. I'm here in New York City and I'm writing about something that happened months ago. And so I kind of started to write as I was editing the first book. Wow. I was wondering, because there's so many details in this, yeah. how you were kind of keeping track of it. I, like, yeah. Were you still journaling or you were like typing kind of notes knowing that it was going to go into a book, hopefully. I was essentially writing two books at the same time. Well, <laughs> I was editing one book while writing another because I wanted it to be descriptive. And, you know, as people read it, they'll see it. This sec, you know, the second book, Single State of Mind, literally picks up right where it's on, it's not okay left right. off. So we're on a plane. You know, I'm landing in New York City, and I wanted there to be that detail. And so I just, from the plane on, kept writing. Wow. 
That's smart. That's that's a way to write a memoir is you actually have the details already written down as you go. Otherwise, I would have never been able to like think of all those details in there. But I think it adds to kind of the lightheartedness of the story is that there is a lot of details and it's fun and it's descriptive in ways that like you feel like it's more of a story versus the first one I felt was much more of like a journal. Yeah. Yeah. What do you think you learned from like writing the first book that you took into writing this one? Well, first of all, that writing is very hard, um, (laughs) as you know, with a book coming out. I think I had this notion in my mind that, oh, it can't be that hard to write a book. Like, if you can write a page, you can write a book. Uh, No. There's this whole thing called a narrative arc and (laughs) weaving themes and plots and all that stuff that I didn't pay attention to in grammar school, like Mm -hmm. middle, beginning, and end. Um, I wish I had because that all is true. Yeah. The secret of writing is that it's just a lot of work. Yes. People don't realize that. It's very hard to string together 300 pages and have them make sense and have people, you know, want to turn that next page. Um, So I think I definitely learned a lot about writing in general, like what people liked, what they responded to. um, But also I had to learn how to write an actual story this time. Yeah. I mean, and it really comes through. It's a very different book in a lot of ways from your first book. It's more, feels more like a memoir as opposed to a diary. Yeah. Um, and single state of mind, it's like New York girl dating in the big city. Yeah. I mean, how did you decide to focus in on on that particular aspect? I actually was not purposefully focusing in on the dating aspect. I think that just kind of took over. Um, one, because I am single. And of course, in New York City, like I feel like dating is on the top five lists of things for people to do, whether it's <laughs> well, it's got to be career on one, dating on the other, probably friends and like good times. Those are probably the top three things that consume and then looking New for an apartment. Looking for an apartment. And looking yeah. for an apartment, which is in there. It's a big section <laughs> yeah. in there. So like... I think it naturally, um, the story shifted to dating. And also, I think dating stories are fun. I think they were the more fun, hilarious um, stories that people could relate to, but that also they could laugh at. And it's a nice little bit of voyeurism, obviously. <laughs> in the first book, people are kind of paging through, like, what's the the gossip about these people that I've yeah. seen on television? This does not have that element, but it does give insight into your life in kind of a deeper way than maybe we we got in the first book. Yeah. And I think also I'm pretty private as far as the social media when it comes to relationships, mm-hmm. um, which is probably why my mom's always like, are you single or not? <laughs> because I just am not, a, I've not shared my, my romantic relationships with the media because I did it so heavily on the first one. So I think, I don't, I try not to take too many scars from that quote unquote engagement. But um, I think one of them is being a little more private with my romantic life. So instead of being shocked at what, you know, number 25, and number 26 did in the first book, I think people are gonna be shocked that wow, she was like dating this person or like, wait. <laughs> and I also think there's a little bit to be said about figuring out who each guy is, which is kind of fun. It is fun. I was trying to play that game. Yeah, I've failed so far. But <laughs> Did you? I'm not like, a very good investigator. I, I just felt like I, I don't know enough about people on, like, sports teams. I know. Yeah. I was like, wow, do I have I a should type? show it to my husband, and he would be like, oh, it's these people. Like, yeah. obviously, everyone knows that. Yeah, Greg will be our investigator. Well, I told this. him that Ari Lyondi was going to be the bachelor, and he was, like, the race car driver. And I was like— Oh, wow. He's a sports so guy, different. for sure. Yeah. Um, so— <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, this this book's definitely different in that sense, too, because 
all the dates, all the guys are um, – they're given names a little bit, but they're also more described by, like, their occupations where they live – um, how big of D-bags they were or were not. All very New York dating world. Yes. That is how I, I describe people that I go on terrible dates with. Right. But like when you read the book, you're probably like, oh, this is exactly how New Yorkers are. Oh, yeah. Those dates. I was like, oh, yeah, that guy, the the drunk one that makes the inappropriate comment yeah. and you want to leave five minutes after you sit yeah. down. Yeah. That guy. Haven't we all dated that guy? But in the South, there isn't really that guy. Really? No. No. There's a different tempo in the South. So where I come from, like when I go home and tell my friends these stories, their jaws are just to the floor. They can't believe that guys like that exist. But are there things that guys, like when you were dating at home in Atlanta, did they have their own types of Their own flaws? (laughs) (laughs) Or is Uh, it just better other places? I think guys in the South, um, if I had to say there was like any kind of generalized flaw, it would be they definitely were looking more for like the trophy wife. Mm -hmm. So whereas New Yorkers, I think, appreciate like a go-getting kind of boss type of girl, um, I don't know if the Southern guys appreciate that as much. You do talk about in the book kind of going home after, you know, really forming your life in New York and feeling a little bit separated because you were single, because your the stories you had to tell were about dating and sex and also your job. What, yeah. what was that like, that, that shift, kind of coming back home and feeling like, oh, this isn't quite my life anymore? Well, it's interesting because... When I went back home for the first time, I remember it was like the holidays, and I felt a sense of insecurity about being single. But yet, anytime I was in New York, I felt great about being single. You know, I'd been in relationships all my life. I had gotten out of a bad engagement, and finally I was single, and it felt good, and everyone in New York kind of embraced that. But when I got back home, it was like, well— you know, why are you still single? And I said in the book, everyone would look at me with those sad eyes. Um, (laughs) But it's interesting how different places can make you feel insecure and then other places can make you feel completely secure. So New York to me, um, being single at 30 years old, I felt secure. But when I left New York, whether it was to go down to the South or whether it was to go to a wedding by myself, um, I lost that security, which is an interesting thing. It kind of gets a little deeper, I think, as far as like, women and what we feel is important. And um, yeah, it was an interesting feeling to feel that shift. Yeah, I think that Mm -hmm. dynamic is incredibly real. I mean, I'm Mm -hmm. also single and 30. And most of the time, it doesn't occur to me that that is really a problem. There's so much going on in in a city like New York. Exactly. Um, And when you go to a place that just feels more structured around coupledom, than New York City does or, or uh, some yeah. – there's obviously other places other than New York that have this but feeling too. But New York too, I think is the major but, exception as far as yeah. cities go. I think New York is a is a really exceptional city in the fact of 30 and single, it's like you're not even ripe yet. <laughs> yeah, know? it's true. No one's taking you seriously romantically at 30 in New York. Yeah, I mean I think every place has its own norms mm-hmm. and New York is the place where you come – to live a single lifestyle later into your life and to focus on your career. Like, I got married when I was 28, 
eight. Oh God, <laughs> I can't count. You're like, um, I'm 29 now, so it was recent, and I still can't figure it out. But like, <laughs> there's this sense of like, I'm like my only married friend. Like, yeah. I feel very young. Yeah, I talk about starting a family, and everyone I know is like, really, you're a child. <laughs> but where are you from originally? Indiana. That's why. But I'd like never fit in there either. I didn't either, know? but I feel like like 28. Okay, you being married at 28. When you go back to Indiana, you don't feel like out of the norm at all, do you? Are all mm. your friends from back home married? No. All my friends from back home moved away. Moved away. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I was from a, a, a group of people who are like, we need to get out of here and be single. <laughs> Got it. See, all um, my friends from yeah. back home are married with yeah. kids or starting to have kids. Yeah. Um, and yeah, most of mine, even when I go home to the suburbs of DC, are are still married. And and again, it's not like that's the, you know, division of friendship and you can't relate, but there is something like that that's another question that I was gonna that I had it's for you. Like do you relate. feel like there's still a, a stigma against single women, especially, you know, once you get into your late twenties, early thirties? Yeah, I do. I feel like there's a stigma. I feel like also it becomes harder to relate to some of your friends that are married or with kids. Um, I remember, it's kind of funny, but I remember having a conversation. I was at like a bridal shower or something. And all my girlfriends that I've known for a decade were talking about like patio furniture. And it was wood versus wicker and like the stain. And I'm just like, ugh, get me out of here. <laughs> and I guess I had a little eye roll or whatever or laughed. They're like, well, why? What do you talk about with your friends? I'm like, penises. They're like, what do you mean? I'm like, we talk about penises. Like, we don't talk about wood versus wicker. Well, See, this is the real like, reason. There's no patios. Yeah, there's no patios. I can't talk lingo. about penises. It brings my like secret Midwestern Catholic out. I'm just like, <laughs> it makes me uncomfortable. Talk about. I think we've got something deeper there. <laughs> um, speaking of. Manhattan apartments. Andy. I thought you were going to say speaking of penises. No, <laughs> I mean, oh, yeah. we, we have can, a lot we can speak about, about penises too. too. But yeah. first, like, you know, I think you gave Brooklyn a little bit of a bad name. Ah, yes. your book. <laughs> right? <laughs> I was like, I have a bone to pick with Andy. Right? Like, pick has it. has your have your feelings shifted about Brooklyn since like you know just arriving in the city and like exploring a little bit more? Okay, I'm going to assume <laughs> that you live in Brooklyn. We, we both, both live do. in Brooklyn. Do you guys rave about it? I love I it. Love living in Brooklyn. Have you lived in Manhattan? Yes. yes. How long? Three years. Okay, so you moved to Brooklyn. Why? Um, I wanted a bit more space. Yeah. I wanted to feel a little bit more neighborhoody, and I wanted to be around restaurants that were just a little bigger, so you don't have to wait an hour to get into. Yeah. Them. Um, Fair. I have a washer dryer. Okay. Oh, yeah. And a dishwasher, a dishwasher in my apartment. Yeah, I have a dishwasher. But too. you did Manhattan first, yes. is my point. Yes. Okay, so before everyone in Brooklyn hates me, <laughs> what you guys are referring to is the fact that when I first moved to New York, of course, I'm like learning about all the neighborhoods and the different boroughs, and someone suggested Brooklyn. And I was like, hell no. And I was very snobby and bratty about it because I was like, if I'm moving to New York City with a one-way ticket and a broken heart from Georgia, I'm living in the freaking city, like in the heart of Manhattan. So I gave a little dig at Brooklyn. But I love Brooklyn. Um, I think when I'm tired of Manhattan and want that bigger space and I'm like over kind of the energy and the party scene, I'd go to Brooklyn. Yeah, fair enough. Am I saved? Fair, yes, yes. Did that, I is fair, that is a fair answer. <laughs> Do I get to stay for the rest of the interview? <laughs> You're not kicked out. It's okay. That was acceptable. <laughs> yeah, but I feel like everyone that's in Brooklyn now has done Manhattan yes. already. 
Yeah. It's also like you move here often, like you're young, you don't have any yeah. money. I moved to Queens and had roommates and then yeah. I moved to Brooklyn by myself and then I moved to Manhattan and then I moved back to Brooklyn. Like at each point you're like, what can I get with my money and what do I value the most that yeah. I'm going to spend it on? And it's kind of a New hustle. York really makes you choose between yeah. things. Yeah. It's unless you're very, very Unless wealthy. you have a lot of money. <laughs> you should see some of these places in my neighborhood. Like I, I was talking about just looking in the back windows. I'm like, what? These th- four stories, yeah, full <laughs> kitchens. I'm like, what am I doing wrong? Oh yeah, in life? even in in Williamsburg, these like full townhouses. I walk by and they always have the windows open and the lights on at night. And I'm like, you're mocking me. Yeah, like yeah. this is a personal affront. Thank you with your vertical garden <laughs> yeah. in your entryway. It's like someone flashing yeah. you with like a great pair. You're I mean, like, even in like the heart of Brooklyn, uh, to have a whole brownstone to yourself, you have to work in like finance. So I don't understand who lives yeah. in the Manhattan townhouses. It seems literally impossible. To I've me. learned whose family bought them uh, in the seventies. Yeah, <laughs> I've learned New York money is different than money anywhere else. Like <laughs> New York money is money, and a lot of it comes from Russian oligarchs who are yeah. buying yeah. So you know, we just can't compete with that. <laughs> at least most of midtown yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly so we wanted to talk about the penises and other crazy stuff in this book i mean you do some pretty like spontaneous things you fly to las vegas the last minute uh, halftime of the super bowl never yeah. get that one down <laughs> <laughs> i mean in the end it might have been the right decision um did you ever have in the back of your mind when you were making these decisions to do these things like i'm gonna be able to put this in my book No, actually, I think the majority of the things that are in the book, I did thinking, okay, well, I don't have to include this in the book. (laughs) So basically the exact opposite. Um, I think I was like, whatever, there's enough material. Um, I don't really need, I, I don't need it. But the thing is also with the book is like, I was very lucky. I got all the creative liberty I wanted. And so if I didn't want to write the story, like no one was going to know about it. That's the other thing with being so private about stuff is like, okay, so I skipped half of the Super Bowl and flew to Vegas for a guy, but like I didn't have to tell anyone that. Um, and which means I didn't have to feel obligated to put it in the story either. Right. Like no one was going to be like Andy Dorfman fails to address right. <laughs> Super Bowl debacle. Right. Nobody knew there was a Super Bowl debacle, but now yeah. you get to know. And I think <laughs> the reason that I do put it in there is because they are funny stories. Like, yeah, they are self-deprecating funny stories that are just like, what is that train wreck thinking? Because <laughs> we all have totally our own inner we train thinking. wreck. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, I really enjoyed the chapter oh, gosh, where like, the <laughs> swingers took you on their private oh, jet. Oh, my god! But gosh. I felt that it ended a little bit abruptly like what what was your last interaction with this couple nothing I can't tell (laughs) after you were just like I don't want to have a threesome with you they were like okay like we're not talking to you anymore I think there were like a couple group texts like for months after and I just didn't respond I was like (laughs) such a rookie New Yorker that I was just like I'm too scared like almost changed my number but you did get a ride back I did get a ride back yeah and I'm impressed. I've been a New Yorker for years, and no one has ever asked me to be in a threesome with them. I know. Well, you would have you not like to be in a enough, threesome with us? You've not spent I mean, enough time on dating I didn't apps, say Claire. I wanted to be asked, but— See, it, maybe everyone knows that your answer is no. Yeah. So we don't want to, like, go out on a limb and ask. <laughs> exactly. They don't want to be rejected. Like, I know. I should be more invited. You, brutally. Yeah. Whoopsies. You weren't reading your signals correctly. <laughs> you were like, no, I just wanted— the ride on the plane. Yeah, I'm like, when did this <laughs> turn that's into... That's not a sexual People that are exchange. listening and haven't read the book are probably going to be like, what are they talking about? Uh, but... Read the uh, book, everyone. Right. You'll have to read the book to know. But yeah, I just wanted to ride home. <laughs> 
I mean, they seemed really insistent. I mean, I guess the lesson for readers is if a nice couple offers you some an expensive gift, like a yeah. ride on a jet, they might have ulterior motives. Yeah, too, too good to be true. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so you also talked about going to Canada to meet a guy oh, that you've been flirting with on Twitter. Who was this guy? I can't tell. I can't tell us. Okay, so we're well, gonna have to investigate. See, that's Pod sleuths. Oh. Read the book, and right. then if you can figure out who this person <laughs> is, let us know. Um, it's kind of fun to play the guessing game, isn't it? it I is. mean, if I knew more rugby players, it would be easier. Yeah, this yeah, is like showing Google my distinct <laughs> lack of sports knowledge across that's the what board. Google is for <laughs> fine. Um, so read the fit. <laughs> Did you contact any of the dates that you mentioned at all in the book before it came out to let them know they'd be in it? No, but one of them um, contacted me to ask if he was in it and, like, wanted to be in it. Which one? I'm not telling which one, but I lied to him. It was, like, in your dreams, basically. Um, but, yeah, he was, <laughs> so like— So was he not in it? It's like he a, is he in it. In it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm he dying to know But I didn't want to give him the satisfaction of him knowing that he was in it because, like, who reaches out? I guess he saw that, like, there was an article or something that was coming out, and he's like, congrats, am I in it? Wink, wink. And I'm like, no. And then I actually had one other that was like, that story better have made it. Uh, I guess I have to tell now. Vegas yeah. was like that. This story has to make it. I'm like, I'm not putting this in a book. Like, I'm mortified of myself. <laughs> Why would I put this in a book? And he texted me a couple of months ago. I was like, Did Vegas make it in the book? I'm like, I'm not telling you. Like, you have to buy, to buy it. it. Pre-order. Yeah. Here's I think the link. I, yeah, I think I was like trying to play the game. I was like, Which Vegas? <laughs> <laughs> but so no, many Vegas I didn't contact. And I will say that like I kept it is I kept it somewhat discreet. Like. To me, the first book was, look, we all went on reality television and all of my exes decided to keep going on reality television and keep using it to their advantage, which is fine, like, to each their own. If you want to profit off of going on another show, off of making a book, a clothing line, whatever you want to do, that's fine. But, like, you're, you open yourself up. You're fair game in my book, literally. And so um, the first one, I was like, everyone's in. The second one, I tried to be a lot more discreet about who each person was because they didn't necessarily sent him to be in a book but also because i don't want to never get a date again like i don't want people to be like oh shit she's totally gonna like write about this um well you would get a certain kind of date who's like i hope she puts me in her book right and then i'm just gonna be dealing with whack jobs yeah i'll just have to move (laughs) to a country where no one knows like anything um but no so i did try and i was definitely more protective in this book but i think with that comes a little more fun with the guessing game. Yeah. Man, I'm going to have to find I out. Know, I know. We're going to go I'm down like a real by this. It's rabbit kind of hole fun. after this. It's like extracurricular reading activities. Like, not only do you get to read the book, but then you get to go search. <laughs> it will be the first thing to motivate me to learn anyone's name who's on a sports team. There so, you go. Yeah. yeah. What about the friends you wrote about? Some of them you were, like, pretty honest. Like, yeah. Sarah can't stop talking about her egg freezing. Yeah. Did Sarah know she was going to be she in the book? She did. Yeah, she's all my, my friends, I all got permission. And so it's my friends, it's not their real names. They got to pick their own names, which was oh. fun for them, too. I'm like, okay, like, 
you know, Ava, Jess, like Sarah, what names do you want to be? Um, so they all knew. And I actually like sent them everything before. I even sent Chris Harrison like the page before because he's in it. <laughs> and I was like, can I put this in? Yeah, he has his real name. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he gets his real name because like, you know, he's Chris Harrison. So a little name drop of Chris Harrison every once in a while doesn't hurt anyone. Um, but I asked all my friends if they like were okay with the stories. They were approved. Wow. So the the women get that consideration. The women, yeah, and Chris Harrison, yeah, makes call, sense to call me. Call me sexist, but no. the women get the consideration. The yeah. douchebags do not. You heard it here not. first. Andy Dorfman is a raging sexist. Yes. <laughs> also, I'd love it if you sent that to Chris and he were like, I don't know, I don't like being written about as a charming and generous dinner companion. I know, right? Well, what's funny is I texted him and I was like, okay, I'm about to turn in this book, like. You know, he knew the part that he was in. Like, obviously, he knows all our conversations. And so I was like, uh, do you want me to send it to you before I send it to my editor? He's like, no, I trust you. I was like, uh, really? Like, you don't want me to send this to you before <laughs> I send this to Simon & Schuster, who's going to definitely publish whatever is written ne- you know, next to your name? He's like, no, I trust you. So I ended up sending it to him anyways. But, yeah, he's cool. I mean, it was a very That's a trusting friend. It was a beautiful humanizing story about Chris. Yeah, uh, it someone gave whose him, face it gave we all know nice, so well. really? a little bit of personality. I thought yeah. it was. Oh, good. Yeah, yeah, good. Really sweet. Yeah, not everyone gets to see like his big personality, but he has a he has a big one and a great one. I also liked your little nod to the fact that there is always like a weird amount of celebrity gossip about how you two might be dating every time you post <laughs> something on Instagram. <laughs> yeah. Which I always find hilarious. Hilarious. And everyone that, like, knows us. So, like, the stylists and the makeup artists that I worked with on the show obviously still work there. So they've worked with Chris for however many 5,000 seasons that he's done. Um, So, like, everyone that knows us and has ever been around us, like, we all laugh at those kind of tabloid rumors and stuff because it's just not like that. But uh, there was one one period where we were kind of like, all right, we're just going to screw with the tabloids and like post a picture and be like, miss you, babe. You know, it's, just stupid <laughs> stuff. it's amazing what you find entertaining when you're thrown into reality TV. Like, Yeah, it's not something we've had the pleasure yeah. of experiencing. No, I, tabloids do not care. I about think my, my maturity Instagram. level has gone down like 15 years <laughs> in the past three years. I'm like, hee hee, let's make the tabloids think that we're dating. Like, who you and I have to have fun with it. Because yeah. I can also imagine that being stressful. You know, you yeah. do also mention in the book that, um, you know, and I guess this wasn't so much so long after your, your season of The Bachelorette um, that you, that Nick was backstage at a fashion show and you sort of were like, I don't want to be photographed with him. I don't want to start any rumors. You ran out. And then, of course, someone leaks that you left. And I did find the article about (laughs) that. Did you? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That's, I mean, you do have to have fun with it sometimes because there are those other moments where everything gets blown out of proportion. And look, I say this as someone who realizes that, like, without the press, without all that, like, the show doesn't exist. The fans don't really exist like I don't exist for the most part so you got to take it with a grain of salt and I think the balance to coming under the scrutiny is to be able to have a little fun with it yeah I mean you also talked in relation to fashion week about like how certain fashion shows wouldn't invite you because you're a reality star um I mean a lot of reality stars are like A-list celebrities now so like whatever to them but I mean, it seems like you feel a little conflicted about having that reality star label. Yeah, it's an interesting dynamic because like I was saying, you know, in reference to the tabloids, on one hand, you get a lot of perks. And then on the other hand, you're kind of diminished and like looked down upon. 
and people think of you only as a reality TV star. So, like, which is it? Do you go with the route that gives you all the perks and you just kind of own it and hone in on it and realize that not everyone's going to accept you for that? Or do you kind of, you know, go anti-reality star and try and carve your own way out, which is going to be double as hard because you've got to get rid of the reality TV label? And can you ever really get rid of that? Right. Level? That's the other question. So it's it's kind of this dynamic and you try and find like a balance of it and be I try and laugh at it like with the fashion week stories. You know, there's some designers that are like, no, we don't do reality TV. And I'm like, what? Like, who do you think wears your shit? You know, <laughs> like really? Like, what do you think your girls in the office are watching? Um, but there's always going to be people that are going to snub their nose at reality TV. And like, to be honest, back in the day, I probably was a little bit of one of those people. And then having done it, it's like, all right, you can be smart and like successful and having had gone on a reality TV show. Yeah. It is possible, I think. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, we're also getting into this point in the evolution of reality TV where so many people have gone on reality TV yeah. and are forming different lives out of that. And we're getting to see how that plays out for different people. Whereas like maybe 10 or 15 years ago, it felt like this new thing to have people who were famous from being on TV and people on The Bachelor have gone such different ways yeah. with it. And I think that in the beginning of reality TV, what we were drawn to was the drama and the train wrecks. So no one really took anyone that had come from those shows very seriously. But, like, you've seen over the past, right, 10 to 15 years, like, people have actually done stuff with their life after reality TV. Yeah. I think it's an interesting dynamic with social media and the yeah. way that that has Huge. allowed people who come off of reality TV to then take control of the tone of their own narrative after it. Yeah. Do you feel like social media has played a role in the way you have sort of put out how you want to be perceived to the public post-show? Definitely. So social media has been really interesting for Bachelor, Bachelorette franchise. I was actually just talking with Caitlin Bristow about this, who's in New York right now. Um, so when I came off of the show of my Let's just go back to Bachelor, Juan Pablo season. There was really not a lot of social media. Um, I remember we had to have our our profiles on private, but, like, no one was doing ads or anything like that. When I came off my show, there was a little more social media, um, but still, like, I remember doing my first ad for, like, $1,000, you know, like, five months after Chris Sewell's season, I think, if you had to go back and really pinpoint it, was the season where the girls came off with, like, a lot of followers and started doing a lot of the promotions. And then from there, I think it kind of has gone on to a whole new level. So, like, Caitlin and I were saying, we've been around when it was nothing to when it's now, like, people are coming off this show with almost a million followers that weren't even in the top two or three or four. Yeah. It's yeah. crazy. So I do think that the social media, I think it's part of the reason that Bachelor and Bachelorette's still successful because it's a very social media friendly show. Um, I think the demo is just perfect for it. But I think there's also this weird thing with like the identity of social media because you do have to kind of figure out like what do you want to do with it? Do you want to be into the fashion world? Do you want to be into, you know, the makeup? Do you want to be into like flipping houses? And it's interesting. I've definitely struggled with that because I'm not a huge fan of social media. It's just like not something I'm like I don't love posting photos of myself it's just not me but at the same time like you know people want to know what's happening with your life and they want to see cool pictures and I want to also be able to share that but it's weird
Okay, so you got engaged. Congrats. Now you may be wondering what comes next. If you're planning a wedding, the first thing you need to know about is Zola. With Zola, you can plan your entire wedding in one convenient place. From the day you get engaged and search for the venue to the day you send out your save the dates, make your registry, and even taste your cake. Zola has literally everything you need to make the whole process super easy and actually even enjoyable. There's even a five-star app that helps you plan on the go or, you know, from your couch, which is certainly how uh, if I was planning a wedding, I would definitely want to do it as loungily as possible. <laughs> so important. I also just know myself. I I know that planning any kind of event, like even a birthday party can get very stressful. And so it's been really cool to see friends use Zola. It really seems to make everything a lot less stressful. And as a frequent wedding attender, I love to be able to hop on that Zola registry and just purchase a gift. Easy peasy. I know I've done it. I won't forget. Thank you, Zola. Yeah, everything's all in the same place. It's perfect. Start planning at Zola.com. That's Z-O-L-A.com. I am so glad that it's finally warming up. And it also means that I just want to have fun this summer and I don't want to be worrying about meal prep. And luckily... I can do something about that with Factor, especially because they have so many meal options like Protein Plus, Keto, Vegetarian, something for every diet. Their fresh, never frozen meals are ready to eat in just two minutes. So no matter how busy you are, you'll always have time to enjoy nutritious, great tasting meals. With 35 different meals and more than 60 add-ons to choose from every single week, you'll always have new flavors to explore. Make your whole day delicious. From breakfast to dessert, stay fueled with easy, nutritious options. I love having a few factor meals just sitting in my fridge, especially because I work from home. It's so nice to finish up a taping and not have to figure out what to cook myself. Just look in my fridge and be like, oh, in two minutes, I can be eating mushroom chicken thighs and wild rice or tomato basil chicken risotto or Santa Fe style green chili beef skillet. And they always have a nice like vegetable side. It feels well-balanced. I feel full after, and it's not a headache at all. Head to factormeals.com slash LTSI 50 and use code LTSI 50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code LTSI 50 at factormeals.com slash LTSI 50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. The weather's getting warmer, so it's time to say goodbye to jackets and sweaters and hello to shorts and tees. Oh, I'm so happy the weather is finally turning. If you, like me, have been wanting to update your wardrobe for the long haul without, you know, spending a fortune, then Quince is for you. You can build up a lineup of timeless pieces that will keep you looking effortlessly chic year after year. Like premium European linen dresses, blouses, and shorts from $30, washable silk tops, timeless 14 karat gold jewelry, and so much more. And the best part, all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes those savings right on to you. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices, as well as premium fabrics and finishes. I love Quince for all these staples. I mean, linen is my favorite summer fabric. They have so many amazing linen staples. I also found my new go-to like summer 
running around to the playground in the coffee shop bag. It's the pebbled Italian leather front sling bag. I can just fit a wallet and my phone and my AirPods in it, maybe some lip balm. Absolutely perfect. I'm so obsessed with it. And the price was exactly what I wanted to. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash LTSI for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash LTSI to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash LTSI. Article believes in delightful design for every home. And thanks to their online only model, they have some pretty delightful prices too. Their curated assortment of mid-century modern, coastal, high Tyler Cameron, industrial, Scandi, and boho designs makes furniture shopping simple. Plus, they're dedicated to really thoughtful craftsmanship that honestly stands the test of time and looks good doing it. Article offers fast, affordable shipping across the U.S. and Canada. Plus, they won't leave you waiting around. You pick the delivery time and they'll send you updates every step of the way. I have long been an article girly, like every room of my house my house, my apartment, (laughs) you can see article furniture in. Most recently, we updated our balcony, you know, just in time. It's finally balcony season again, finally warming up in New York. And I have been out there with my coffee sitting in the toady beach sand dining chair, which is a great little lounger for a small space. Again, New York City apartment. And uh, it just really like elevates our deck. That and the ottoman we bought to go with it. So comfortable, so chic. Also can withstand a whole lot of rain. So important. Article is offering our listeners $50 off your first purchase of $100 or more. They're having their Memorial Day sale from May 13th to May 27th, which would be the perfect time to use your store credit on top of sale prices. To claim, visit article.com slash LTSI and the discount will be automatically applied at checkout. That's article.com slash LTSI for $50 off your first purchase of $100 or more. One in five Americans have learned a new language on their bucket list, as they should, because it's very important. If that's you, then make this year the year you finally check it off your list with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts to help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Wow, that is really fast. Their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Plus, all of Babbel's 14 award-winning link... Plus, all of Babbel's 14 award-winning language courses are backed by their 20-day money-back guarantee. I personally used Babbel before I headed off to Paris for three weeks, and it was so helpful just kind of giving me back the basic understanding of French, allowing me to interact with people in restaurants, in shops, and, you know, just not make a total fool of myself when in a foreign country. Here's a special limited time deal for our listeners. Right now, get 60% off your Babbel subscription, but only for our listeners at babbel.com slash LTSI. Get up to 60% off at babbel.com slash LTSI. Spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash LTSI. Rules and restrictions may apply. 
And like Claire said, we are seeing people take it in a very different direction. There's so many different directions to take it. And it's kind of also like your life after Bachelor. Like, okay, what's my niche? What's like, am I going the TV route? Am I going to go back to work? Which nobody does. Am I going to (laughs) go fashion designing? Like, uh, social media is kind of the same in that where you're like, okay, what is my theme? What is my kind of niche? And then I obviously I've taken up the writing, but I can't writing a book does not translate to social media. <laughs> no, you get well, a, cu- a couple cover posts and that's, that's pretty it. much it. Yeah. You can do a lot of Twitter, like hashtag M writing. Yeah. It's a big one. I'm yeah. good. I've never I'm done I'm always that. on book Twitter. So like people are always tweeting about how they should be writing their book. And, oh, that's um, a good one. Yeah. Thank God people still love to read a book though. Like yeah. as much digital content as there is out there, people still love picking up a book oh, or, yeah. you know, downloading a book and reading it, thankfully. Yeah. Especially if it's a beautiful, beautiful, well, you can't see it. I'm holding <laughs> it up. Andy's beautiful book. Um <laughs> Yeah, there is a hands. good glamour shot on the cover. You are lounging in fur. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it looks cozy. This looks like it was a really fun photo shoot. Okay. There's actually a really funny story about that. I do have pants on, by the way. Someone <laughs> me- like messaged me. On the back, me. you can see them. Yeah. Someone messaged it or tweeted or something. It was like, what do you think? You don't have to wear pants on your book cover? I'm like, do you think Simon & Schuster would let me not wear pants on my book cover? But then I was like, on second hand, I should have not worn pants because yeah. I'm single and I can do whatever I want, which Isn't means that like no the, wearing pants. Uh, Carrie Radshaw's book cover where she's wearing that like slouchy shirt and she's not wearing pants. Yeah. And she does that cover shoot. I'm just like, I got a flashback to that episode I of Sex and the City. Done no. Basically, yeah. every single one of Carrie's photo shoots is like, how yeah. do we make her look naked? Yeah. And but also wearing She was like a successful a fictional shirt. writer. Yeah. <laughs> well, there's the one with the naked dress, remember? <laughs> she was oh, a yeah. successful fictional writer who wrote like one sentence per an episode. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and it was she more of a question. Yeah. Less of a sentence, more of a question. This is something that like, I don't know how it would exist in in today's economy but like someone who writes one column a week for her entire career at a small like new york newspaper and makes enough money to live on perry yeah come on yeah yeah we have to hustle now i mean (laughs) if someone can tell us how that was done i would love love to take up that lifestyle i am on board i will do it i will just take yeah it's funny because the apartment that was filmed in sex and the city carrie bradshaw's apartment is on my street and at any given moment whether it's the morning or midnight, there's 15 people taking pictures outside of it. Yeah, <laughs> like all New the York institution. Well, they used to do those bus tours. I think they still do the Sex and the City do. bus tours. And they stop no, at like Magnolia Bakery. Yeah, keep but it Magnolia But it's business. so funny because it literally just looks like a brownstone that's the same as every other brownstone on the street. And I've often wondered if someone has just made up the fact that that's Carrie Bradshaw's apartment because there's now a donation box. On the like, steps. What? Take a picture, leave a Yeah. Quarter. I think That's it says it goes it. to the That animal. is a hustle. Right? Respect So I'm like, what if we just all went and bought a brownstone and said it was... The well, real carry. We have to the real have carry. the money to well, that's buy true. a brownstone. We can deal with that later. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know. I'm just going to rent an apartment in brownstone and then just put out a donation <laughs> bucket. <laughs> no one needs to know who it belongs to. Just put a chain on the stoop and a donation <laughs> <Yeah>. bucket. <laughs> so you also have a little nugget in the book, in a meta way, about all of the drama that surrounded your last book that played out on television Uh, while you were not there. Yes. (laughs) Um, I remember wondering how you were feeling about that when it was happening. So The infamous Bachelor in Paradise. Nick versus Josh. Oh, my God. Um, First of all, I was in Greece. (laughs) 
the best place yeah. to so be while this plays out. it was kind of funny. And I was with my friend Kelly Travis, who was on The Bachelor with me. And our personalities are really similar when it comes to that kind of stuff. Because, you know, post, post-bachelor stress disorder, <laughs> it's like you don't know how to feel about certain things. So I was with the, the perfect person. And all of this was playing out. And it was just hilarious because we were just sitting like on a terrace, drinking wine, scrolling through Twitter. And I never scroll through Twitter, but it was the one time that I did, and it was hilarious just reading all the comments. We were basically watching Bachelor in Paradise from Greece (laughs) on Twitter. I'm sure you caught all the important parts. Getting hammered, yeah. 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 That sounds like the best way (laughs) to watch Bachelor in Paradise, It was awesome. You were just watching them, like, sell your book for you. Yeah. While you got to relax. No, my publisher called and was like, oh, my God. You have no (laughs) idea what's happening. I'm like, cool. I'm in Greece. <laughs> so did it actually boost book sales? It did. I mean, I think there's a little misconception of that because I think some people, especially from Bachelor franchise, thought like, oh, we helped your book so much. Like, It was a New York Times bestseller before that. Um, yeah, it had thank been very out much. for a little bit. Yeah, yeah, it had been out for like over a month and it was a New York Times bestseller. And then we definitely got a boost in sales from that. Not going to not gonna lie, but I'm also not going to thank them. <laughs> I mean, it's like, sorry that my book was really culturally relevant and yeah. like had its finger on the pulse of what you guys wanted to talk about. Yeah. Also, they should be thanking you. For a storyline. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that was like the best part of the season. I'm not going to thank any of those exes. So. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think you need to thank them. No. Um, and you also mentioned something about being at, was it Tanner and Jade's wedding? Yeah. Um, and you heard some like assholes talking shit about you. Yeah. Well, they weren't really talking shit. <laughs> I don't know. Pity I shit. Thought, yeah, I thought it was some. <laughs> it was some pity it was shit. Petty. It was some. Um, I call it the pity shit, though, because it's like, oh, poor her. Yeah. I didn't appreciate that, reading that as a single, as someone who goes to weddings without dates often, because not everyone has the money to just give everyone plus ones, which I understand. Although not everyone wants to bring a plus one. And not everyone wants to bring a stranger to a wedding where they know people. a wedding that's being filmed. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Not fun. Um, (laughs) I was just, oh, first, do you think that they intentionally sat you next to an empty chair? I have wondered. <laughs> I have wondered. People are probably like, what are you talking about? Okay, go. in the book, there's a story that this will all make sense. It was Jade and Tanner's wedding. Um, it had nothing to do with Jade and Tanner, obviously. Lots of bachelor people were Lots of bachelor people. Wedding. And there was an empty chair, coincidentally, next to the one single bachelorette. It just seems like they plan these things so carefully. I know, but sometimes I don't want to give them that much credit. Yeah. But sometimes I'm like, eh, it's right up their alley. It's like the Bachelor producers are playing four-dimensional chess right now. Yeah. I don't know. (laughs) I don't think they purposely did that just because there was enough drama going on that they kind of, and I said this in the book, they kind of left us alone. Yeah, Um, you guys didn't really have to feature in the the plot line of that. which was nice. Um, But uh, the the verdict's still out on that one. I'm honestly just (laughs) shocked that anyone took the time to, like, note that you were there without a date and then talk about it. It just seems very, again, like, I've gone to a lot of weddings without a date. It's never seemed like a thing that was a big deal or that people would be, like, going to the bathroom to gossip about. I know, right? (laughs) It's a wedding. 
Like, and it's like a whole genre of rom-coms too. Like you don't want to go alone to a wedding. Who's going to go with you? And I'm like, you really want to go to a wedding with like a stranger? And like, then you're stuck with them. Right. Then right. you have to babysit them and you then just you want to talk to your friends. Groomsmen. Yeah. You, you maybe want to flirt with someone. Yeah. I mean. And then are people really no. like, wow, she got a guy that she works with to come to this wedding with her. She's doing great. I like, don't know. Are they? Not that Is I'm that what people are thinking in the back so. of their well, mind? apparently this bachelor crew. Because yeah. I don't that. have any, I don't know because I'm always <laughs> single at Wedding, so I don't know what people think of that. I've literally never discussed someone being at a wedding without a date. Yeah, I have never uh, felt that anyone was taking note of me at a wedding without a date. So that's right. why yeah. this stood I've out never to been me. Able I'm to like, take who are these yeah. people who go to the bathroom? I know to that take was kind the, of sad. <laughs> who are these people? Look them up. Well, I'm sure sooner or later I'll drink enough. And... Are they bachelor people? We should have given you wine. Um, yes. Mm-hmm. That's all. That's my okay. Everyone is under suspicion yeah. now. <laughs> I know, right? But they're true. It's true. Yeah. I mean, we we're not gonna. Hey, push I was. You if you're I not shouldn't ready. feel bad. I was on the receiving end of it. Oh no, <laughs> no, you should not feel bad at all. I just want you to put them on blast. I know. I'm so. I'm not. We're just really that. putting you on the spot. Um, repeatedly. But uh-huh. I don't know if it was as much talking shit as it was. I guess you're right. It was just gossipy. It was gossipy. I it just because I don't think it was to meant me. to be like mean toward me. No, or maybe no. it was, and I'm delusional. Probably not. Probably not. I I just I think it like rubbed me the wrong way yeah. again as someone who goes to weddings alone yeah. because it just it just didn't seem notable. Yeah, and you like to think that you're fine, and therefore everyone else assumes you're fine. Yeah. But people aren't taking notice of that, and then you're like. I guess I was wrong. That's a shitty feeling. But most I think that seems out of the ordinary to me. I would never comment on that. Um, And before we kind of wrap things up, because we know you have to be out of here in the next like 10 minutes. That flew by. Uh, I know. Time flies when you're having fun. Right. You talk a little bit about going on dating app. And I want to know what you think the worst offenses from men are on dating apps in their profiles because I have a personal thing that I hate <laughs> when men um, have their profile photo of them like holding a giant dead fish that they just caught. It's like very much a that thing. That is a thing? It, oh, it is a thing. It is a thing. Wait, why do you hate that? I wouldn't mind that. Because I'm just confused about what like the message is it's supposed to be. It's showing that he's sporty. He's a provider. I just, Emma. Maybe it's because I did not yeah. grow up around fish fishing. Every night. I, li- I live in New York. What is it? Teach a man to fish. <laughs> he'll, he'll eat for. Give a man lifetime. a fishing pole. He'll it's eat like, for a week. I don't need to maybe see he's going like, to bloody you. fish. Oh, that's like a manly thing. Yeah, I mean, I'm just Wait, not into it. From Indiana, does that bother you? Or does that give you the same feels? I guess I shouldn't say bother. It doesn't but. bother me, but it doesn't like appeal to me. Yeah, it doesn't appeal to me, but I yeah. get it. I think they're showing off their big catch. They want you to know that you will eat fish every night <laughs> for life. <laughs> for life. Or like, that they I will provide. fish this for you from the East River and we will feast. <laughs> Wait, is that an often? Is Do you often come across yes. that photo? Extremely often. That's the only reason really? I notice it. If it only happened once in a while, I don't think it would have... <laughs> It would be notable, but I see it all the time, and it's especially confusing when it's like we live in New York. Yeah, it's not like there's true. a lot of fishing readily available. But the, maybe they're like, I like the outdoors. So put, I don't know. I'd rather you post a photo of you like hiking. on a hike. 
See, I think those are so dumb. Like the back of you on like over a cliff. Oh, no, those I hate those too. But it's got to be hard for a guy, a normal guy, to come up with a photo because they probably don't want to be taking the photo in the first place if they're a normal dude. So they don't want to pose anyways. So the only they photo a, they have on their phone is them with the fish. Probably, right. and because that's the only like socially acceptable photo for the man to take. And so then they've got to upload it. Like, how hard <laughs> would it be for a dude who doesn't want to take a photo? What about all those men who take photos like in the bathroom of the their mi- Oh yeah, the mirror shirtless selfie. Those shirtless selfie. go into the category of those men. <laughs> <laughs> Not options. Wait, I love those photos. Though. Can I tell you why? <laughs> yes. I love snooping at what's in the bathroom. So I like. <gasps> To see what's like in the shower, like what do they have that they left out on the counter? You got to take a closer look at those. Oh, photos. you need a screenshot and then really do the zoom. Yeah, you zoom and see like what hair products they have or like what they accidentally left out. That's I a, missed out on so call. much information. Yeah, when you can I was still dating. get in on it. Yeah, that's true. I must gotta let me swipe. Something. Yeah, you can swipe on, I swipe on mine. all my friends. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't actually use mine much, so. You are welcome. We can just do a little exploring. It's just sometimes it's just pure entertainment. Yeah, I mean, I would love to get in on it, but like I'm worried that I'll make the wrong move and I'll ruin my friend's love life forever. <laughs> no, I always try and do the I always try and do it right on my friends. Yeah. Give them correctly. A lot of options. I shouldn't yeah. say right, because then you get confused with the right and left. That's why I can't yeah. do the dating app with that. So are you not on any dating apps right now? No, not anymore. Just, like, seeing what the universe brings you. Which is not a whole lot. <laughs> <laughs> that gives you a lot of time to focus on other things. Not a ton of quality out there these days. <laughs> so what's next for you now that this book is out? What are you working on? Well, I'm working on this book still, promoting single state of mind big time right now. Um, next, I don't know, but I think the last page of the book will tell readers what it is. I read it and I did. Have you read no the last idea. page? Of what is going on with me? I read Maybe professionally. The last this is my job. I'm sorry. I'm trying to reread it now to figure out what I missed. <laughs> I feel the last like I chapter just, I think sheds some light on what's next. Okay, I feel like I'm asking Jillian Flynn like who did it at yeah. the end, and she's like, <laughs> right. "Are you serious? Yeah. Like it's right there." Wait, can I tell you how many times I've read a book and only read the last page, and then decided whether or not I wanted to read it? Oh, I do that. Yeah. I don't. Do I'll that. be like in at the Barnes strand. and Noble. I will yes. be at Barnes and, and Noble I will open and read the, the last, last page. page. I do that too. Girl after my own heart. Yeah. If you read the last page of your book, do you think that you would? Want to read it? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no, the last chapter, though, I think kind of says what's happening next. What could? And you you end the book. Obviously, there's a lot about relationships and dating in the book. Yeah. But the tone of the end is not focused. It's focused on yourself more yeah. than on relationships. Um, why did you make that choice? Um, I think for me, uh, the book had a lot to do with relationships, um, a lot of ups and downs. And the final chapter was just kind of, what did it all mean? And I remember writing it. I was like by myself. It was I was at night, just like alone. And I was kind of sad, but also kind of, I kind of embraced it. And I just felt like to sum up what single state of mind meant to me wasn't about recapping all the dates. It was kind of about what I learned about myself. And um, a lot of the book is about coming into my own and like being independent and what that means. Cause it's scary at 30 and, you know, even from 25 to four, however old you are to be alone and to feel alone. Um, so it's important for me to kind of take a step back and embrace it. 
And that's what that final chapter is. Well, I think it's refreshing and I think um, more single women should be able to have their stories out there. So we yeah. appreciate you. Thanks. Yeah. Thank you Hopefully so much. People for... will relate and like it and feel like it's okay to be single. Hell yeah. yeah. And everyone listening, you can find Andy's book, you know, on Amazon, uh, Barnes and Noble, all of the local bookstores, local bookstores, yeah. all the places you go to get your books. Yeah. Check it out. <laughs>